0: Hello and welcome to Karaoke Theory. We're doing something a little bit different this week. You may have noticed that we've been a bit New York-centric so far. So, this week, we're moving to the city where I currently reside, to London. London, and England in general, has a really vibrant and interesting karaoke scene. But it's a little bit harder to stumble across, unlike in New York. Plus, I did feel like I may have brought about some sort of karaoke curse, as one of London's premier karaoke pubs, The Birdcage, closed down about six months after I moved here. And then sadly, Mike Gable, who's the founder of the House of Hot Breath Karaoke, moved to Toronto. But thankfully I got to experience a few of those wacky, crazy nights with Hot Breath Karaoke before he left. So today I'm speaking with Mike all the way over in Toronto over Skype. So please take a listen.
1: We used to live, uh, well, we lived for most of the time in, in London, in Dalston, and we moved there in 2003 or four, something like that, when it was like super dodgy. It was really scary, you know, crack, crack whores, prostitutes, the whole nine yards, like really, really scary place. And on the corner of Kingsman Road and Richmond Road, which is our local, it's now called the called the Haggerston. Anyway, it used to be a place called Uncle Sam's uh, Jazz Bar. And we would go in there because it was, you know, it was a nice place, whatever. And we went in there one night. And we walk in the door and there's like, on the stage, there's like all these uh, tellies set up. Like big ones, like old school big ones. There's like six stacked, like three on each side, stacked on top of each other. And we're like, what is going on here? And there's this couple in there, right? And she's dressed like... A cross between like a stripper and a professional wrestler, like like thigh high PVC boots, crazy wig, you know, like really full on. And he's he's got long hair and sideburns and stuff. And they're Scottish, and their personality is really kind of intense and confrontational and funny-ish. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But anyway, the whole deal with that thing is that they would film you um, when you sang karaoke. And then give you a VHS tape at the end. Wow,
0: I've never, ever heard of that.
1: I know, this is incredible, right? Because this is 2004, this is before YouTube, this is before kind of the, in many ways, kind of like the digital uh, side of things. Plus they're using like laser discs, like if you're in the karaoke world, that's like a really old school way. Um, Like if you've ever done karaoke at something like a Chinese restaurant and they have like videos in the background, Mm -hmm. like, Old school, old school. So we went in there and our minds were just blown away, right? So me and a like a core group of friends, maybe about a dozen people, we started going every Tuesday night to this thing and we'd bring back the tape every time. And they would like, you know. So we've got this collection of VHS tapes that's like a, a, a kind of document of our lives and our friends' lives. You know, before it was easy to take your phone out and, and video or before you could put something on YouTube. And that alone is amazing because, like, you know, you just don't have that these days. And plus, you remember where you were in your life. And plus, they were just nuts, right? They were yeah, really crazy. Yeah, it's like crazy. a
0: musical time capsule.
1: In a way, yeah. It was it's totally, totally amazing. And then um, we, got to, we got to, like, know them fairly well after a while. And um, she was super strange. And she had her own – she had made her own trading cards which were like these little laminated cards of her in various uh, risque outfits, kind of like States you know, of like, undress. like a mechanic and a nurse. And uh, there was one of her dressed up like a baby that was like really disturbing. And um, yeah, so we got to know them quite well. And then like she also did like a cabaret show. And I remember one night we went out way out into Tottenham to go see her do her show where she basically sang karaoke, but it was like tribute act kind of stuff. And that was just hilarious. So, like, uh, yeah, we were, like, totally totally in there. And we got to know all the, like, weirdo regulars. Like, when you do karaoke in a dive bar, you kind of, you know, there's weird people in there. And there was, like, oh, you know, I know, crazy things that happened. Like, all the, like, crazy, like, Jamaican girls would come in and dance on stage and stuff. And then there was an old guy and his teeth fell out or whatever, you know, like, Did it all have that a kind name? of name? stuff.
0: Did it have a name? Do you remember yeah, that name? Yeah,
1: they were called, it's called Tommy and Avril. Her name's Avril Taylor, and um, oh my God, this is something so amazing about this as well, is that when we got, the very first time we went there, we got our tape at the end of the night and we we're like, oh, this is crazy. But then we realized that the the tape was halfway through, so we're like, there's something else on this tape. So we were right on the tape, and it was this whole kind of documentary about them, about from when they lived in Falkirk, which is like pretty remote Scotland, right? and it's like them going around to to bingo and shopping at little and kind of talking about you know poverty and living in i think it was like a like a, a film student or something must have done it but that was just interesting as well cuz it was a total kind of like window into where they were from and that
0: was that intentional do you think that they'd left that story on each of the tapes or they just happened to i make-
1: really don't know i've never thought of it that way i've never thought of that i would probably maybe think not because they're just nuts you know what i mean like it's probably just a mistake but anyway and then um yeah so like we were going like religious religiously like all the time and they got to know us quite well and then they were like oh uh you know we're 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 leaving. We're not doing the karaoke anymore because we're moving to Tenerife, right? So that is serendipitous like, with well, your trip thing. to
0: Tenerife.
1: <laughs> well, part of the reason why we chose that is because we were going to try and find them and make a documentary about kind of going full circle with, with the whole hot breath thing, right? Because the only reason we st- I started hot breath karaoke is because these guys left, right? They left, wow. and we were like, holy shit, where are we going to do karaoke, right? So then I was like, okay, well, I'll just start my own. And, you know, I started researching how to do it. And I started it off, yeah, 2004, I think June 2004. And the first one was in this place called the Spread Eagle, which is the bottom of – actually it's There's weir-
0: still karaoke there. I go there most Fridays.
1: Oh, no way, really, at the bottom of, of – uh, Kings and, Road. Kings
0: and Road. Yeah, because that's yeah. where everyone who was going to the Birdcage has now
1: ah. flocked to.
0: So they've all uh-huh. flocked to the Spread Eagle. Mm-hmm. Which is kind well, of the funny crazy. thing
1: is, is that used to be a strip bar way back, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they stopped being a strip bar. And the very first thing that was in there after being a strip bar was Hopworth Karaoke. Right. And they still have the pole on the stage and everything. And, and you know, my setup was was just shitty, you know, bad mics, the whole thing. And I went there and we did it. And like loads of people came out. It was good. And, um yeah, my first singer ever to sing at karaoke was um, Ben Jacob. It's called Max Tundra. Uh, he records for Domino. So he, he became a friend of mine after that. But anyway, we did it the one time. It was a huge success. And then I got a call the next day saying, like, the bar's closing. So I was like, wow, what the fuck, man? Like, one time in, and then it was just gone. And I was like, you can't do this. So then I'm like, I need to find a new, a new place to do it.
0: So the irony then... that now they're back doing karaoke yeah even though yeah, it's actually yeah. a terrible bar for karaoke because it's really small and a weird and shape. it's
1: it's kind of a weird shape as yeah as it's like, like an, an l shape they mm-hmm. still got the stage in the corner there
0: yeah stage in the corner
1: okay that's no, not too bad sometimes small is good um and then we need a new place so then i moved over to a place called the legion which was on uh down old street i think it's now some dreadful cocktail bar called be at one. It's like a very, very long and narrow space. Mm -hmm. And like when we went in there they just opened because the the guy who runs the Loriston, who I've known for like fifteen years, he kinda opened that place. And it was all like kind of raw wood and whatever. It was very rough around the edges. So then it started there and that's kinda like the it really took off there. And it was still on a Tuesday night and that's when I started to incorporate the the spinning wheel, mm-hmm. the prize wheel. So that came early? I, yeah, that was like almost from the get-go, really. Because I think the reason I did that is because I wanted to add another element to it. I wanted it not just to be a place where you sing karaoke, there had to be some sort of a, a extra uh, entertainment factor to it. Because sometimes, like, for people who go and don't sing, it's like, can be just painful to watch. So I thought, like, let's put a bit of something else there. Bit of bazaars. And one for your father, and one for you. One for your auntie, and one for your uncle, and one for you. One for your brother, and one for your lover, and one for you. One for the sister, and one for that mister, and one for you. yeah just a little bit of something and plus also at the time I was really into kind of collecting junk and stuff you know like thrift store shopping junk market shopping all that kind of stuff so the prizes were stuff we we'd go out and find and it's like all sorts of crazy stuff you know like the weirder the better and then plus also I started making my own branded stuff you know like just weird products but then redoing the label so it said hot breath we did lots of kind of ridiculous themed specials there over the years and it was crazy there at that during that time kind of like 2004 to 2006 it was very it became very very trendy at the time so there was a lot of like a lot of cool people and bands come down and it did Russell Brand show up uh, I don't think we've ever had him but we had like you know the guys from Hot Chip and like you know, super furry animals and Beth Ditto from the Gossip came down and like, it was, yeah, it had a kind of a more of a cachet of being like quite a hip thing to do which unfortunately, you know, there was loads of people who were like coked up in a nightmare <laughs> from, uh, from time to time but it was, it was a very good time to do it there because it was often really packed out you know, like, and that place is big it holds like, you know, easily a couple hundred people because it's very long And we did like theme nights, like if, you know, I was basically, it was a weekly, I was just basically trying to do something to make it different each time. Like we did a recreation of like the lineup at Live Aid once, which was kind of dumb. Um, Just, just really, really stupid stuff. Then we started like sometimes like shooting a little video and we would screen the video. Basically all little things that have kind of, I've followed on with later, you know.
0: And this is with your and, wife at
1: this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were always doing it together from mm-hmm. from, 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 the kind of day, from day one. Yeah. And then um, it kind of fell out of favor a little bit doing it. Because sometimes the thing with weekly, it's like weekly is good because it's always there. So someone says, it's Tuesday night. Oh, my God, let's go. Let's go to hot breath. But then weekly can also be like, uh, it's on every Tuesday. I don't want to go out. You know what I mean? So that can be kind of tricky. I mean, you'll always get like the hardcore karaoke people you know people who love karaoke are always going to come right yeah but um that doesn't always kind of fill a room you know and plus karaoke people can be a bit strange sometimes but um we are a strange bunch it's yeah Yeah. but it's all good i mean it's all good well actually i mean
0: i I love it but i would i don't think even i would go every tuesday or probably any tuesday with work
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean this was also a time when we're all a, a lot younger So it's like a lot of people just, you know, maybe not that in a place in their career where, you know, when you're 25 or whatever, you can go out till two in the morning on a Tuesday and it's like no big deal. Right. And I remember in that period, there was a couple of years later, like where it just started to really just like not dive bomb, but there was some. Stretches where it was just like no one was coming, and it just seemed you know because London's very fickle, you know what I mean? It's mm. like people, people then all of a sudden, oh, I don't want to go to that anymore. That's not cool anymore or whatever. But there was a period where it was just I was constantly asking myself like, why am I doing this? This just sucks, you know. Like it wasn't fun. I mean, I mean it it had become a little bit of a job, and this has happened like time and time again, depending on where where you you do it, but then. Every once in a while, you just get someone who comes up and presents something that's so extraordinary that you're just like, okay, yeah, this is why you keep doing it. And I kind of also came up with this attitude that it's like a public service that should be there in every neighborhood, right? You got your laundromat, you got your place to get some takeaway, you got you know your local pub, you need a place to do karaoke. So then I thought, saw it as something that's just like Well, I have to keep doing it because it's providing a service. And people, you know, if it's not there, people won't be able to do it. And this is going back to a time when there wasn't a lot. You know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of karaoke in in the East End at that point. Like, very little, to be honest. I mean, maybe the Birdcage was the the only other one that we knew of.
0: Did you go to the Birdcage ever?
1: I think I went there only once. I only went there once. I mean, I thought the vibe was amazing because it did have that kind of... Old school feel do you know what i mean with mm-hmm. with old older people you know um and that's the thing that's that's kind of really good. I always enjoy going places where it's a bit more i don't know sometimes i th- I think I like what I do, but it's also just kind of like it's i don't know it's a kind of it's kind of b s in a way you know I mean sometimes you go to these places and it's just so real and it's so from the heart that it's really kind of like you don't need all this comedy and all this other shit that goes with it, you know what I mean, so... There was another one that we used to go to that was very on and off. It was on Kings of Road Bar Five Twelve, and it was a real kind of um, Caribbean kind of flavor. So like everyone there was like from Jamaica or Trinidad, and you had so that was kind of cool because you had loads of people coming up and doing soca and like you know oddball you know kind of like reggae stuff. So that was, but it had that nice kind of feeling of of it being a bit more quote unquote real. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a lot harder to sing something and be engaging doing it straight ahead than kind of putting on a kind of comedy or, or, you know.
0: Yeah, my co-host and I kind of talk a lot about honesty and and earnestness. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, it's funny to hear people sing songs that, you know, might be sung ironically at a night with a bunch of students or 20-somethings. Yeah. Um, But then when you do, there's something really powerful about seeing someone in their mid-60s that you know they've been singing my way since they were in their own, you know, their 20s or 30s. Um,
1: Yeah, I, I could totally relate to that, totally relate to that, because, like, and it's it's hard to tap into that, you know what I mean? Because like, you know, I think when you're younger, your kind of default is kind of like, you know, it's just like you said, ironic or just like, let's have fun with it. Let's, you know, do it more as a piece of comedy. Whereas, whereas yeah, you see people, you know, who just get into it, you know, like you said, very honestly. And even if they're terrible, you know, that's the type of thing like. Yeah, that's when I really like it, to be honest, Mm -hmm. you know, like when people are, like I said before, just finding themselves in it and really saying, obviously, some songs might have a meaning for someone, like why they sing it or, or whatever. Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Karaoke is therapy.
1: I totally agree with that. I really, really think that's because like, there's a lot of projects, like more kind of like installation based works around the idea of, of karaoke that I wanted to pursue I wanted to do like um I had this idea to build like a confessional that um where you go in and you sing karaoke because I think there's also something interesting about being kind of isolated and what would happen if you were just by yourself or how would you because there's different elements to it like there's in front of the public is different than when you go in a booth you know like booth karaoke is very different to being in front of the public. You know, like we did uh, Hot Breath in the Turbine Hall at Tate Modern, which wow. was really daunting <laughs> because it's a massive space and it's, there was like a lot of people there. And it was interesting to see how people dealt with that as well. Because some, you know, I had some friends who got up and said that was the most terrifying thing I have ever done in my life. I'm so free. guess the, the reason why I like karaoke so much is that, it, I mean, everyone is of different skill levels or whatever. And it's a weird thing that one of the big reasons I'm attracted to it, not just as entertainment, but more on even like if you go deeper than that and, and think of it as like an art form, which I, I do. I've done a lot of kind of like art commissions using karaoke as my basis because I find there's very – there's not many things in our – life where you're in a social situation and you go and on a stage and kind of put yourself out there to be judged I guess by the public whether you're good or not like why do people do that especially people that are terrible Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like if someone is really bad singer they get up in front of the in front of an audience and they sing and they're awful like why would you put yourself through that I think there's an element of singing that is just really human and really it feels good to do it. And if the crowd is on your side, it's very, it could be very inclusive, you know, like, um, I always felt like a hot breath and, you know, at the end of the night you have like, like a hundred people all singing together. It's an incredible experience, you know, because we don't have that in our lives. I mean, like not a lot of people go to church anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's that experience of doing something all together which is so lacking, I find. Like, I mean, I guess in sports that works, but I'm not in sports, you know what I mean? So that idea of bringing a whole room of strangers together to celebrate something, and that's just singing, really. And as soon as it goes down that route of being a competition or kind of, I'm not into that at all. You know, like, I don't ever fade people out. You know, like a lot, unless it's someone's being kind of abusive or like being a total dick, Mm -hmm. you know, then of course they, they should, they should leave the stage. But I think everyone is entitled to their three minutes, whether they're good or bad. And to be honest, people that are quote unquote bad are often more entertaining to watch. If someone's losing it, losing themselves in the music, right? People will watch that if someone's really really good and sounds exactly like the singer and they know all the lyrics off by heart people just stop listening because it's like well that's not really i've heard that that's not giving me any anything but when you see someone really in the moment going for it you know that's that's what really kept me going with it mm-hmm. you know like really really kept me going because it's kind of it's obviously doing it for someone you know, and that's that's really good. I mean, we went to a karaoke last week. Actually, I haven't done any karaoke for like three months. So we went to this one here in Canada, and they had a competition. And it was kind of like the audience was the decider at all times. And I thought, this is awful to do, you know, because, you know, some people would get up, you know, someone really good would sing, and then they'd be like, oh, okay, she's going to go into first place. Okay, next next guy would come up. He's not good. He's kind of a dork and whatever. What about this guy? And then nobody claps. They just sit there and, then, and it's just like, okay, sorry, you're not, you're not even in the running. I mean, if you want to do a competition, take all the request slips and put them in a bowl and draw a prize at the end, you know, like it shouldn't be about.
0: Yeah. Cause you always had prizes, but it was never about, um, kind of putting people in an order.
1: No, never. Never, ever. Every person has as much chance as everyone else.
0: Because so my friend Connor won um, a barbecue at karaoke with you. Ah, <laughs> nice.
1: See, there you go. There you go. It's just drawing. I mean, the other thing about that is that gives people incentive to stay, which is also a good thing, I suppose, for the establishment or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then it's, it's, yeah, I mean, some of the best performances I've ever seen at my karaoke were people that were really terrible. You know, that's what you remember. I remember we did... We did this one. I did the Bloomberg's summer party. Like Bloomberg has this massive thing for their employees every year, mm-hmm. and it's like a—it's basically a festival. I've never ever seen anything like this. It was so big. This guy came up, and I don't know. I think he's maybe Korean or something. And he came up, and he was literally shaking. He was so nervous, right? And he did started this song. It was a ballad. Something like Josh Groman, "You Lift Me Up." Right? It's a real kind of cheesy ballad. Mm-hmm. And he was so shaky. But then he just started to really go for it. And everyone just went silent. It was like this total silence, And then he totally went for it at the end. And people just went crazy. You know what I mean? And people were like hugging each other. It was like, yeah, that's an example of someone who's really terrible. But you could see he was he, you know, was nervous, but he kind of went through
0: and he lived it.
1: So, I mean, like, there's been other ones. I mean, like, I did that Winterville thing in Victoria Park, and we had some, like, seven-year-old kid come up. Oh, wow. And, and, do, and do Uptown Funk, and it was just ridiculous. You know, I was giving away, like, a leg of ham. So um, he came up and did Uptown Funk and just killed it, right? He's, like, seven years old. It was just unbelievable. And then... By fluke, he's still there at, like, 11 o'clock at night. I don't know what he was doing. still there. And he won, right? He won the ham. And I'm like, cool. This 7-year-old kid just won, a, won a, a leg of ham. That's awesome. Came back, did Uptown Funk again, just killed it because the place was packed at this point. Then there's this smaller girl at the side of the stage, right, who must have been, like, five. I don't know what she was doing there at 11.30 midnight. She gets up and sings... uh let it go from frozen and it was just one of these moments where everyone is just like totally in the moment transfixed by the like what i was saying the inclusive inclusiveness of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah it's really 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 good so competition bad that's what i'm <laughs> saying inclusive inclusiveness yes competition bad because if, if you give people the chance to be nasty they will
0: what's your what's your
1: go-to song that I don't know I don't really know I'm not good at picking good karaoke songs to be honest. I think I always go for weird, obscure stuff that nobody has ever heard so like that doesn't really it's not really good for like a crowd because they're like, I don't even know that song it's weird and that guy's weird, but I don't know that song I think it's given me a now I, that's really hard to tell or hard to, to decide There's certain ones. I like, you know, anything by David Bowie, I really like, seems to really fit with my voice or, uh, lately I've been getting a bit more into pop music. So, uh, Katy Perry's good. Um, she's
0: tough. I, I can't do a lot of Katy Perry.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I did, um, I did this thing called you, me, bum, bum train. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. It's like a theater yeah. thing. And, that gave me a, a kind of newfound appreciation for pop music. Cause I was, I was basically the last kind of sequence was people would come out and they'd sing karaoke. So I'm doing, you know, but they'd only get to, you know, like a minute and a half, maybe. So, and I did a lot of it. So I did like 1500 songs and a lot of them have to be really popular songs. So like I'm singing these, you know, like Taylor Swift and all this kind of stuff like night in night out. And I was like, kind of, and really, really popular songs. And it gave me a newfound appreciation of, of the big ones that everyone always sings. You know what I mean? Like.
0: Total flips to the heart.
1: That's always going to be up there. You know, it's such an incredible song. Like I've ended probably more karaoke's on that song than any other song. So that, Mm -hmm. that's a big, big finisher, but like, I don't know, living on a prayer could could do without hearing that for (laughs) maybe the rest of my life. But, uh, (laughs) Love Shack is just, yeah, it needs to go. Oh, Um, I
0: love Love Shack.
1: I think I've just heard it too many times. It's a great song. I love the B-52s, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, as a host. Uh, Don't Stop Believing is still a good song, so it's very kind of good for the crowd. It's
0: funny what songs have a kind of longevity with karaoke, even if they Mm. don't have a longevity in terms of, you know, being played on the radio.
1: I've been really into singing... Uh, a Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton.
0: One of my favorites also.
1: That's a very fun song to sing. Um, I yeah, think that, I, don't know. I
0: love Vanessa Carlton because I feel like it's a song that it's lodged back in everyone's brains, but they never think of it. So when you play yeah. a song like that, it kind of comes to the fore and they realize yeah. like, I've oh, known this song already.
1: I yeah, there's there's load, so loads of tunes like that, I find. Like, especially the Laura and People start singing along to these tunes. I'm like, wow, this, where do you ever hear this song? You know what I mean? And that's another interesting thing about karaoke, because it's, t- it taps into that kind of guilty pleasure thing, but without, like, you'd never go to a club and listen to this type of music, you know what I mean? Like, But when you're there, like a big ballad is actually quite amazing if you're a part of it. That's the whole point of it, mm-hmm. you know? So that's very true
0: like the words come out of people's mouths before they even realize that they remember the song
1: yeah yeah that's true i think that's yeah i can see that totally <laughs>
0: Actually, maybe this will be the time to ask, um, so did you meet your old friends when you were in Tenerife? Did you find them?
1: No, unfortunately not. Like, we had kind of thought about that. I mean, we wanted to go somewhere hot, first and foremost. Then we're like, uh, what about trying to find them? So I did a bunch of preliminary um, research, and then we found out that they weren't there. They were um, in Manchester. And then kind of the idea of us leaving London to go to Manchester to find them seemed a little less appealing.
0: Less glamorous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we stayed and, uh, and went there instead. I mean, part of me thought, like, I could do this out in Tenerife, you know, and, you know, do karaoke for a bunch of expats or Brits abroad, you know. Some people are like, oh, God, how could you handle that? And I think, well, I don't know. People are people. You know what I mean?
0: Karaoke Theory is edited and produced by Anna Keeley and Justin Falcone. On today's episode, you heard performances by Max Tundra performing Vanessa Carlton's 1,000 Miles at The Legion in London. Billy performing Elvis Presley's Hurt at The Spread Eagle in London. Maureen performing Sea is Alive at Pine Box in New York and Richard performing Bruno Mars When I Was Your Man at the Spread Eagle in London. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Karaoke Theory and subscribe to us on iTunes and please give us a rating. It would really help us out. Thanks for listening. Keep singing.